Hello and welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. As always, you're back with your host Liam and Bill. We're on an international edition. I'm in the United States. Bill, you just moved states, so we've been a bit all over the place, but uh, back to talk some super coach before round four. Yeah, settling in on obviously new locations, and uh, yeah, the one constant is some super coach, so let's get into it. Um, don't know about you, but I had a terrible round last week. Terrible? What happened? Yeah, oh, just, just carnage everywhere. Um, worst player for me, probably. Pick of a uh, point of difference, sorry, Harris Andrews just put out a 40, and the worst part is that hurt me across all formats, so um, regular draft um, in our model as well, so... Yeah, that was just a terrible one for me. I, I think I dropped about 15k places and I'm sitting in the 30,000s, so doing pretty terribly and uh, yeah, have an eye to this week obviously to try and catch back up some ground. Uh, how did you go? Yeah, it's always hurtful when those point of differences uh, let you down like that. I had an alright week, scored 23.34 and moved up to uh, 6,700, so going alright, but for me it was nat 5 with that big KO dropping that 60 when he's been going the 150s every week, uh, sort of tailed off what could have been a really high score for me. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people, obviously, with Fife and then Rockcliffe as well, um, both getting knocked out. A lot of people fell into that trap, and no doubt some teams out there running both that uh, have some decisions to make. Yeah, people obviously trading in Rocky this week. We saw a large number moving heaven and earth to get him in and then put up a 36. Do you think there are a few, uh, you know, rage smash keyboards out there during the week? Yeah, absolutely, um, especially for those double owners. That's um, yeah, pretty unfortunate and hopefully not something that we see happen too often. And you had the rare cases of everyone was trying to, to get off Heaney, saying Heaney wasn't scoring enough. And we do have a few DPP positions in the mid-forwards with our rookies, so I'm sure there would have been a few people that swung their Heaney into a Rockcliffe, which would have been costing you about 100 points as well as a trade. Yeah, catastrophic if you did. Um, unfortunately, I made the choice to go Heaney to Kelly. Um, not as bad. Kelly obviously putting up the ton, but... Heaney doing quite well and then uh, we're actually doing this podcast on the Thursday night and Heaney's again once again doing quite well so definitely looks a mistake if you traded out Heaney as I did. Yeah, Phil, I've got a bone to pick with you. I'm pretty sure the last podcast we did, we set out a strong do not trade after round one in the podcast and uh, you've gone out there and uh, burnt through a few trades since we've dropped that. Yeah, well, it was do not trade in round one. It was round two. So <laughs> came out and... Uh, yeah, made a trade. So I don't really think it's too bad to trade around two. I think it's fine um, if I'd have picked the right players. So, for example, if I've traded, say, Clayton Oliver to Lockie Neal, that would be looking at great trade at the moment. Um, Clayton Oliver's playing, and he looks like he's going to score about 90, um, whereas Heaney's going to put up a 130, 140. So, obviously, the Heaney choice was wrong, but the choice to trade after round two, I don't think it's a terrible one under you know all circumstances. Yeah, you've just got to pick the right times to do it and the right players and get a bit lucky because, as we said, you know, five going gangbusters, no one can predict that KO if people were to trade him in. So it's always a bit of luck in this game and a bit of skill as well. So, yeah, apart from the trading out of Heaney, um, was there anyone else that you think people maybe are jumping on or off at this point in time that might be a mistake? Uh, I think there's been a lot of people swinging around their rookies a bit, which is obviously good and bad. If you're, if you're picking your um, ones that we said after round one were sort of the ones you need to get in as must-haves, you know, your constables and, 
and your uh, you know your butters and these people um, would have been quite good. But I'm also seeing people you know looking at the way that Stack scored last week and jumping a week early, which I'm always you know advocating against. Um, you know you've got that two week break to pick your rookies and make sure they don't get injured or dropped or anything like that. So more people that are moving a bit quickly on changing rookies, trying to get early downgrades on people who haven't peaked yet in price just to you know get enough money to push to say a rock cliff and you know getting those you know horrible events where you're picking you know wrong rookies off like a bad uh, price grab and then trading for people who let you down so yeah I think it's more just sorting out your trades and making sure that you're maximizing your cash with those downgrades. So I guess we'll, we'll run through some of the lines here and, and the structures that people have set up um, obviously it all sort of starts from the rookies uh, we have Hall playing right now back in that would have surprised a few coaches I think and uh, he's actually putting up pretty good numbers so that's a little bonus for people down there in the defense yeah I was thinking defense might have been a hard line this week um, with Hall not playing and then you know you've got your your Scrimshaws and your Clarks who are pumping out 60s but not really setting the world on fire losing that extra rookie might have been concerning with the structures but yeah, it's down forward where I think we've got a few problems. We had Willem Drew, who'd been lining it up the first two weeks. We had Ollie Wine sort of take his spot in the midfield, and he dropped a, a 36. Is is that a score you think we'll see from him week in, week out now? I don't think we're going to see the 36 from him, but I do think we can't really expect him to be pumping out 100s now that Ollie Wines is back. I think he's going to get shifted a bit more into the forward line. Um I think if he does play, he might score decently, but there, I think there is the chance that Willem Drew gets dropped. Yeah, that'd be huge. I mean, we've got so many Port rookies. Um, if Port start winning a few games and getting a few people back from injuries, we might see some of those players drop. I'd like to think after the way he scored in the first two weeks and the way he played as well that it's just a down week for him, but I guess we're going to have to see. But we might have a few issues there in the forward lines with, you know, we had Drew score 36, Parker 47, Setterfield 37. You know, a lot of people were fielding two of these, if not three of those players, um, starting to look a bit thin down there up front. Yeah, there's uh, Myers from Geelong. He's been pumping out pretty consistent 60, 65. So if you have him, that's probably a good thing at this point in time. But yeah, the main people, obviously, um, Setterfield and Parker, I think a lot of people are running with them. Petroselli and yeah it doesn't look like we're going to be seeing a lot of cash out of them unfortunately. Yeah so it's interesting um, hearing a few people this week who are trying to use their DPP for their advantage in that space so when you've got players that you're trying to trade out like if you want to get off your five which we might talk about a bit later or if you've got a player that you're trying to move who's been injured or or underperforming using that DPP to maybe turn one of your midfield primos into a forward primo which allows you to move one of those forward rookies onto the bench and then bring someone like a Butters or a Constable off your bench in the midfield and field that higher score might be a really good structural change to make at this point if you're seeing these rookies pumping out these low scores. Yeah I think so it's all about getting your best rookies on the field and if you have someone like a Constable um, while Sheldy, etc., sitting on the bench, then getting them on is obviously going to be an improvement on those poor scoring forward rookies. 
So I think what we'll do now for the listeners is to move through the lines one at a time and sort of have a look at how the players are performing and starting at the defense and sort of having a bit of a chat about which of these players we think who are underperforming um, will stay that way and which ones that are really lighting it up might keep that consistent scoring all year. So we'll start with just a general talk about sort of the big dogs down back and I think what we're seeing is we've got these two players, Whitfield and Lloyd, who are just, you know, a, a real class above everyone else in the back line. Yeah, um, you definitely want to have started with at least one of them. Obviously, if you have both, then that's great. Um, teams, I think, that started without Whitfield or Lloyd are really going to struggle to get one or both of them in. Yeah, both scoring over 127 down back is is pretty crazy. I will give us a pat on the back. Uh, we both started these and said in the preseason pods that they're the uh, sort of you know safest bets down back, and they're really coming out and scoring consistently high. I think it might be something where the new rules have really helped these two players a bit more time and space and you know a bit a bit more ball on the outside for them just seeming to be racking it up at will. Yeah, um, I wish I could claim I had Lloyd in my side but I don't. Um, <laughs> despite oh, you, what we you said in the preseason. The Lloyd. Yeah, um he did uh so just live scores actually he's finished on 108 in this game uh, that just played tonight so little bit down on his average there so maybe I can look to get him in but yeah unfortunately didn't start with Jake Lloyd um everything's said and done and I've it's paid the price in the first couple of weeks another player that we talked up a lot in the preseason especially because of the changes in the kickout rules was Luke Ryan who is boy oh boy has he got a new haircut he's gone the full-on peroxide blonde there uh, really uh, trying to get the votes off the uh, Brownlow uh, umpires there, trying to get a bit noticed, but uh, the change of hairstyle came with a change of play. He pumped out a 156 against the Saints. He was everywhere and uh, moves up to be the third highest averaging defender now. So those players that uh, started with Luke Ryan and had a bit of a you know average first couple of weeks really got rewarded with that big 150 plus. Yeah, and there's a few others that are sort of in that Luke Ryan price range to start of the season. One of them was Harris Andrews, who I thought was going to be a great point of difference and looked like it was the case for the first two weeks. So sort of the opposite here to Luke Ryan. Came out of the blocks firing, scored I think 120, then put up 100 or so, and then unfortunately came out with a 40 on the weekend. Yeah, with that we might move into a little game of hold or fold. So I'll give you some uh, primo uh, players that we might have picked at the start of the year and you can tell me if you think the people at home should be you know holding these players as primos uh, for the sort of near future or if you think it's time to to fold your hand and and trade them out so we'll start with Andrews on that 40 still averaging the 82 would you recommend people to still hold this player or is it time to fold I think I think you hold if you have Andrews um He's had two good games, one bad game. Unfortunately, it's in the third round. going to stay in his price for a lot longer, and others will get the chance to jump on quite cheaply now, um, which is quite unfortunate. But I think when you're picking Andrews, you were hoping for him to finish at that maybe D5, D6 um, at the end of the season player, and I think he can still do that. Even if he just misses, he's someone that you're probably going to be out of hold there until pretty late in the season. So I would hold Andrews. Next one up is Cade Simpson, who's averaging 72. He's already bled you 50k and uh, is yeah going at a really low rate there. Yeah, Simpson's an interesting one because I would have recommended just not picking him in the first place. I sort of said it earlier in the preseason, he's just too old for me to want to pick. At some point, those players are going to have to drop off. And yeah, I just wouldn't be picking him in the first place. But 
Now that you do have him, I would fold. I would probably fold and try and jump off him while he's still got some value. Um, and yeah, jump to someone like Orion, or obviously if you've got the cash, straight to Whitfield or Lloyd if possible. And another really popular primo who I've seen traded out of a couple of teams is Rory Laird. He's got that uh, 91 average, dropping just an 84 last week, uh, not really matching that Lloyd and Whitfield. Is it is it time to fold him, or would you be uh, holding uh, a primo like that all year? I think Laird specifically you have to hold. Um, I think he's still going to finish in that top six. It just seems like he's not going to be your super primo like your Whitfield or Lloyd, so very disappointing if you did start with him. Um, he could still come around, but it does look like Malera and Smith down there are taking a lot of points off him. So I think now you just have to accept that you've overpaid, but he's still probably a top six, so you've got to hold him. Speaking of Malera, we might move into a bit of uh, trick or treat, a bit of real or not real. I'll give you some players who are currently in the top 10 defenders who all have an average over 98, and you can tell me if they're a bit of a trick for the players who might be looking to bring them in that their score won't last, or if you think they're a bit of a treat, a bit of a point of difference that people might look to move in. So we'll start with your boy, uh, Wayne Malera. Do you think he's uh, a bit of a trick at that um, sort of an average, or is he someone we should be picking up? I think, I mean, I picked him in my draft team because I was very confident that he could score well, and he's done that so far. So I'm going to have to say that he's a treat there. I think that he can maintain a high average for the rest of the year and finish as a top six defender. Um, whether it's as high as he's holding right now, I'm not really sure, but I was definitely pretty confident in the preseason he can be a top six defender, and I think he's shown that so far. Go through some other names here. We've got Bashar Hooli. Interesting one because his average is really only one game played, so you pro- probably have to put him in that trick category. Um, now that Jaden Short's gone down, he's going to be probably scoring pretty well, but in terms of across the whole season, I'm not really sure if he's going to finish top six. Daniel Rich. Rich is a very interesting one. Um, he's looked really good. So obviously I follow the Lions, um, watch all their games, and Rich just looks better this year. He looks fitter. He looks harder at the contest. Um, he's just playing really well. So at this point in time, you'd have to say that he is a treat, although I do have some concerns over whether he'll be able to hold this form. You know, maybe if Brisbane starts to hit a rough patch and are not winning every week, he, his scoring might suffer as a result. A couple of players that have a bit of interest for me is Stuart from the Cats and Salem from the Ds. What do you make of that pair? Yeah, very interesting ones. Um, Salem's scoring pretty well despite the fact that the Demons are not doing very well. So um, he's a really interesting one with a lot of upside. And Stuart was uh, a player that I had an eye on in the preseason, but unfortunately had a pretty poor JLT. Um, I put a line through him then, and it turns out that you know he just wasn't taken very seriously because he's come out you know, gangbusters and putting up the points. So I think if you started with those two players, you'd be very happy. And one last one that uh, I was quite surprised at to find in the top 10 was Zach Jones from Sydney. You might be able to tell me a bit about how he's playing at the moment, but he's gone 85-92-116 in his first three matches, playing a lot of time in the midfield there. Yeah, he's um, just finished tonight on 80, so not as good, but still a respectable score there, especially in the defense. Um him playing through the middle. Um, I don't trust Horse to leave him there, to be honest, so I would maybe be staying away. Before we move away from the defenders, we obviously saw uh, Jaden Short's horrific injury. Did you see that dislocation of the kneecap there? Yeah, it didn't look pretty. 
Yeah, um, so he's obviously out for about eight weeks. So any owners of him will be looking to move him. Um, do you have any players that you like around that price? We've got Nick Newman, who's 1K more expensive. We've got Zach Williams still sitting at 8K is more expensive. And obviously Bashar Hooli, who we talked about, um, sitting below his price there. Yeah, I think all three that you've named there, I don't really think there's a bad pick among them. Um, as I did say, Hooli's average is really only one game, so maybe you should be a bit wary about that, but he is obviously now taking that role that Short has filled, so, sorry, has left open, so that's quite tempting. Um, personally, if that was me, I would probably look to jump on Zach Williams a bit late to the party, but he looks like he's going to be scoring really well. We'll move on to the midfield now, and uh, I think the talking point from last week was uh, Liberatore's 150, putting him at a 55, a negative 55 break even, so his price is going to keep rising there. And yeah, he's sitting at a 118 average. Is he almost the uh, number one trade target this week for people who didn't start with Liber? Yeah, I think so. So unfortunately, I wasted two trades last week getting with Ahini, so um, I was not really able to convince myself to trade this week. But I think if I had saved those trades last week, my trades this week would have been bringing in Libba and bringing in Neil. Uh, and I know you're going to mention him next. So I think those two are the ones who really everyone is looking to get in. Liberatore, obviously, as you mentioned, that negative 55 break even, he's going to make a lot of money. And then Lockie Neil, averaging close to 150, just looks in ripping form. So I think those are the two that everyone has their eye on. Do you think Liver could be a keeper here or is he still a cash grab where people need to be sure that you know when you're trading down to him it's um it's a money grab it's not really looking for a keeper or is he someone who could keep up this average? He definitely can keep it up. Um, whether he will obviously is another question but we've seen him keep up an average similar to this maybe slightly lower for an entire season before. He obviously plays that really contested game which suits Supercoach and um at this stage, I'm not really sure whether you can lock him in as a keeper per se, but he's a potential keeper. You know, he's 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 riding that line where you might be able to slot him in at sort of your, your D7, or sorry, M7 or M8. So, yeah, if you started with Libba, if you started with Neil, you're laughing. Yeah, I mean, Neil's your boy now, so I'll let you run with this one. Uh, you want to talk me through how he's been doing and sort of pump him up a bit for me? Yeah, so obviously lines have come out when their first three games and Lucky Neil's probably been best on ground in all three. Um, he's probably sitting on nine Brownlow votes at the moment, I would imagine. Um, yeah, he's got a 148 average, which is almost 10 points clear of the next highest, I think. Um, it's just ridiculous how well he's been playing. He's been getting 40 touches, you know, 25 contested every week, um, 10 clearances. Whether he can maintain this level, who knows, but definitely looks like he's thriving being the number one midfielder. Yeah, I think my concerns with Neil are that, as you said, you've had three big wins and he's performed really well in the wins. Um, I'd like to see if he can keep up this average in a few losses when they are to come during the year, but just the way he's playing, racking up the ball, 40-plus touches, also getting marks and tackles and, and scoring involvements around the ground is really great for that score build. He's not relying on you know one thing for his score, which is really impressive, and he's someone where I've looked to bring him in um, this week. Uh, because of the fact that he's up to 650k um, 
and he's still got a break even of 63. And in my team in particular, I've got two of those big boys, um, Neil and McRae, who are not in my sides at the moment. And I feel like trying to bring in two players who might be sitting at 700k during the year will be very difficult to find the money for. So if I can get on one now while he's still a bit cheaper, it might, uh, might save me some heartache later in the year. Yeah, I think so. You need to have at least one of Neil and McRae on your side, if not both. So he's not going to maintain 148 average for the season, but I think we're definitely looking at 130-ish, maybe 125, but, you know, top three player, I think, at the moment. Let's talk a bit of Nat Fife now. He obviously got knocked out for 63, uh, was averaging over the 130 for the first two games. Um, going to miss the one week, and I think it's come out that even though the uh, KO was horrific, one of the worst I've, I've seen in a while, sort of reminiscent of, you know, that Nick Rewalt getting knocked out in Adelaide where they're out before they hit the ground. Um, those big ones, Jordan Lewis's KO, you know, where they're lying on the ground completely, uh, you know, eyes rolled to the back of their head style. So really big KO. Um, are you concerned that uh, the, you know, concussion might linger for a few weeks when he's back affecting scores? Or is this something where you'd recommend people to, to hold a player who's scoring really highly and it's just going to be a one-week injury? It's it's tough to say, obviously, as you said, a really horrific super coach. Um, Nat Fife was on Twitter pleading people not to trade him out of the super coach teams, which is interesting. But um, I think if you don't have McRae or Neil, or you don't have both of them, then you should probably just make the sideways trade. Um, if you have both of them, I would probably just keep keep Fife there on the bench. Um, if you've got both of those two, you're laughing. So yeah, just bench him for a week and see how he goes. This might be something where it depends what you're playing the game for. If you're playing for leagues, um, especially if you've already burnt a couple of trades, I'd definitely be holding. Uh, he's a premium player, going to be top-end player. Um, if you can just sit him on the bench for one week, costing you maybe a couple of points in one league game, it's not so bad. But in terms of, um, you know, personally, I play for overall, so I've traded five straight out because I had the cash for Neil. Um, with the idea that it's going to cost me the same amount of trades going five to Neil and then a riser like Libba back to five if I want to. Same sort of trades as if I was going to try and go Libba up to Neil with two trades. And what that'll allow me to do is to get these extra points for the one or two weeks um, while I've got Neil in the team. Yeah, I think it's smart. I think if you've got that opportunity to go to Neil on a sideways one trade, then definitely take it. Uh, I'll give you some uh, other scores from the weekend. You can pick and choose what you want to talk about. We had Jack McRae going 139, Cripps with the 147, and uh, Marcus Bontempelli putting out a uh, 124 to keep his average pretty much at that number, which is quite incredible considering the uh, you know 105s he's put out the previous two years. Yeah, big jump from the Bont. Uh, there's a few whispers that he might be a bit sore after the game on the weekend, so we'll see how that plays out this week. Um, McRae is the one I probably want to talk about there because he was on nine at quarter time. So he got 130 points in three quarters of football, which wow. is you know, just ridiculous. Yeah, he's just a beast. He's one of those ones where you know I was concerned with the price starting him and then I decided, no, I really do want to um, start him, but I just couldn't find the money from some other people that I like. So I managed to leave him out of the team and he showed me going, yeah, what, 130, 130, 130 or something like that. He's just a, an absolute super coach. Yeah, just a machine. He'll pump out that every week, I think. Um, showing his scoring potential in three quarters is huge. 
seems like he's the only one of the dogs players who doesn't have their position sort of swinging around forward defense mid we're seeing bond play forward we're seeing dunkley play forward we're seeing players jumping around that team mccray seems to be the one constant for bevo and uh that's really good for his scoring yeah i'm very you know happy to have him on my side the only negative is that the way i got him in was a last minute trade out of Lucky nail to Jack McRae. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I think all preseason we both had Neil in our team, and uh, when that first bounce started and we saw each other's sides, we both saw that Neil wasn't uh, a part of either of them. So we made a bit of a mistake there. Yeah, I mean, I can't be too disappointed. Obviously, getting McRae, but Neil's putting up the same score, slightly better for a lot cheaper. So it's a bit disappointing. But McRae's a solid captain option. That's one of the things that's great about him. You can lock him in for that one thirty every week and. That's really valuable. All right, we'll go through some uh, hold or folds in the midfield now. We'll start with, um, he was a premium price to start the year. Elliot Yeo uh, coming off about an 80 average there. Uh, is he someone you'd hold or fold? Yeah, he was uh, in my side for a reasonable chunk of the preseason, so that's a bit worrying. But um, I think with Yeo, there's no real reason to jump off at this stage. Um, there's a I guess Dom Sheed coming through and maybe he's taking his spot a bit, but I would probably hold. All right, uh, Dane Beans uh, put out an 89 to keep his average below the ton at 97. Yeah, Beams is sort of one where, again, like with Simpson, I probably just wouldn't start with him. He's relatively old. He's got a relatively beat-up body, so not one that I'd be looking to start with. But I think if you have him now probably just hold him. Um, I think it's only upwards from here, to be honest. All right, next one's a bit interesting. Joel Selwood, he started with a 98 and then a 108, but now pumped out a 46, which put his price into a bit of a uh, free fall. Yeah, and this one's interesting because Chris Scott then came out and said, yeah, no, he played well. He's learning how to play that new role that we've got him in. So that's a bit worrying. Um, that indicates that, you know, maybe sometimes, some weeks, he's going to be playing a role that might be valuable for the Cats, but he's not necessarily super coach friendly and we might see his scoring drop as a result. So I'd be thinking about jumping off and folding on Joel Selwood if he picked him. Uh, now another one from my boys, the Saints. Uh, Seb Ross pumped out a 78 to have an 81 average after what was a really breakout year last year. I heard a, a few uh, people on another podcast saying that they're really high on Seb Ross, that his age profile, games profile sort of indicates that major breakout to primo status. But um, Saints have been playing more of that Richmond style, sort of spreading the points around. Um, Seb Ross one you'd fold on? Worrying one. Um, yeah, I, I'd i be worried about the fact that the Saints have actually won a few games and he hasn't scored too well. And then when you consider that the Saints probably aren't going favourites into too many more games this season, I'd probably be jumping off. And the last one, Dustin Martin putting out a back-to-back 60-odds um, for a 78 average. Yeah, I don't think we have to do the hypothetical in this one. Um, you know, pretty much everyone who has Dusty that I've heard of is jumping off. Um, I think you have to jump off at this point. He's going to be missing a week with suspension. Um, when he comes back, you know, he's just as likely to score 50. It seems like there's years to go 150. So I think at this stage, maybe you've got to bite the bullet on Dusty. Yeah, and I think Dustin Martin's one of those ones where he's lost a bit of cash now. So you'll be hard-pressed to trade him to any uh, definite keeper in the midfield unless you're floating a lot of money. So this might be the perfect time for, as we mentioned, with that mid-forward swing. If you can bring a you know set of field into the mid-bench and trade Dusty, uh, pretty much a straight trade to one of the premium 
forward options, you know, your Kellys or your Bokes or anyone who you missed at the start might be a real good opportunity to sort of shore up your structure there and also get off someone who we can't really see being a keeper at this stage in the midfield. <clears throat> uh, we might move into Sue. Trick or treat in the midfield here. Um, people who are now sitting currently in the top fifteen and have an average of at least one hundred nine um, names that you might not have expected at the start of the season. So, um, I'll read them out for you, Liam. Ben Cunnington. Yeah, Cunnington's an interesting one. He's got that one twenty three average. Put up one big score of the one fifty nine, which sort of increases that. I've got to say, is a bit of a trick. Can't see him holding that, even though he is a good player. Um, we've seen in the past he can go through stretches of, of pumping out those 80s and 90s. So in terms of being a keeper at the end of the year, I think he's a bit of a trick. Next on the list, we've got Dom Sheed averaging 118. Yeah, um, I'm going to have to say Dom Sheed's a bit of a treat this year. I sort of wish I started with him. Um, couldn't tell if that preseason form was a bit of a was a bit of a trick there, but it comes out that. Yeah, he's just scoring brilliantly, even with Gaff back in the team, he scored well, and I think that's the, the nail in the coffin there, that when Gaff was back, we still saw Sheed go big, so I'm going to have to say he's a treat. I'm actually going to jump in here and not necessarily disagree, but just I think it's important for everyone to note that Gaff's been in for one game, and Dom Sheed scored 111 in that game, but that is off the back of kicking three goals. So it is interesting, though, that yeah, he needed three goals there to get that score Um you could easily see, obviously, if those kicks had missed, maybe he's down for an 85 to 90. So it's an interesting one. I'd give it another week or two with, with uh, seeing how he goes in the side with Andrew Gaff. Yeah, very good point there. I think that's the major concern I had with Dom Sheed was whether his role would really change with uh, Gaff back in the team. So definitely something to wait on. But in terms of the people talking about whether he was going to fully break out or not, I think he's so far proved everyone who sort of doubted him wrong there. Um, it was good to see him and uh, Ryan combine on the weekend for a very similar goal against the Pies at that grand final uh, match-winning play. It was quite, uh, quite eerie how similar those two plays were. Next on the list, we've got an old Supercoach favourite, um, Josh Kennedy, who's put up 113 last week for 114 average. So once again, Mr. Consistency. Yeah, um, as you said, consistency has been a staple in my team for a few years now. I'm going to have to say he is a trick. I think, yeah, just maybe a little old for me to be locking into my final setup for the whole year. And the next two I'll give it once because they're both averaging the same and then both from the frontier. Sides here, young boys, Jack Hopper and Jack Bowes with 109 averages. Yeah, I might split this answer into sort of two formats where I think that um, they're both obviously tricks for regular. I don't see either of these young boys keeping up an average that high for the whole season to be keepers, and I think there's a few players underneath them who might jump above them in average. But I think for drafts, they're absolute treats if they're sitting on your waiver wire for some reason or if you know someone picked them up who you might be able to you know, give them a little sideways trade for. I think they're absolute treats for the draft-based formats. Um, can really see both of those having breakout years and sitting around the 100 mark there. All right, we might move on into the rucks, and um, there's an interesting sort of dynamic that's played out here because after round one, it was all, you know, panic stations about, oh, no, Gorn, um, Grundy, they've put up 80s or 60s or whatever it was, and... You know, you've got a few other cheaper rucks putting up huge scores, but a couple of rounds in, it looks like the status quo has reset itself. Yeah, I mean, 
it just goes to show that you've got to back in your premiums and back in your research and not trade after round one because we saw so many people after Scott Lysette put out a big 160 just jump on him. Um, his you know ownership's up to about 30, 13% of teams, so there's so many people who have jumped on him after one score and comes out and puts out a 49 and Goldie put out a 132, gone 126. So, you know, you're losing about 100 points after jumping off someone who you were sure about onto someone off one score. Yeah, um, interesting here. I think with Gorn, he put up 126 last week. He's just played tonight and put up 113. Um, people probably going to be trying to look at going from Goldstein to Gorn at some stage. Is there any read maybe on when that would be able to happen if you are one of those people running Goldstein? Yeah, um, Goldstein put up a disappointing score last week, uh, sorry, two weeks ago, and then came out and he's got that, you know, 114 going for him now. So I reckon their prices are going to keep to uh, close. So it's a matter of when you've got the cash to make the jump. I think it's the right time to do it. If Goldstein can put up another, you know, big score and he's got, you know, a couple of hundred pluses sitting there in that price bracket, I'd sort of wait till there's the right time price-wise to jump between them. Um, it just completely matters about how Goldstein scores this week. If he puts out a 50, I'd look to, you know, finding the cash to do it as soon as possible. If he puts out a big score and the prices are going to keep coming closer, I'd just leave it another week until um, until you maximise that price grab. Yeah, good advice. I think um, interesting in the rocks, we also have some rookie options all of a sudden. And uh, the pick of the litter is probably O'Brien, I think, from Adelaide. Uh, once again, Sauce Jacobs not playing this week, so he's $136,000. And he put up an 85 last week, which is pretty tempting. Yeah, I'm actually really tempted by O'Brien. Uh, as I said in the preseason podcast, when you're playing for overalls and having the rucks so thin, I don't necessarily think that I can trust um, the big boy rucks to not miss a game here and there, which is you know different to other lines because everyone else you can plug and play a rookie and you know it only costs you whatever, 40 points, 50 points. But in terms of these major ruckmen, if they spend a week out and you're taking a zero off the bench, that's costing you like 120 at their price. So I'm really keen to, if there is someone, to sort of have a look at getting uh, a rookie in. And if O'Brien looks to have that number one ruck spot sewn up and can keep an 85 average, he'll almost be worth it for the price grab alone. But I really think for the uh, points on the bench, someone I might look for if he can um, really sew down that number one spot. Uh, we'll go into the hold or fold section here with the rucks. And the first one is an interesting one because Justin Westhoff in round one put up 149 and then followed it up with 47 and 39. Yeah, um, I was worried after the first round that I'd make the wrong call, um, not particularly on starting Westhoff because I wasn't that high on him, but uh, playing sweet in the uh, captain loophole option instead of the... Uh, dual position West Coast player, um, thinking I've made a huge mistake, I could have brought West off as my first upgrade and had that, you know, swing into the ruck to help me through the buys and through any injuries. Um, but yeah, this last two weeks is exactly why I didn't start him. I'd absolutely fold on West off. I, I really think that this 47 is something that we'll see, you know, more often than we used to, that lower score. Um, really relying on big bags of goals or, depending on his position, a bunch of intercept marks for that score build and just he's changing around too much for me. I'd definitely uh, fold on him if there was an appropriate option to trade to. One player that I was a bit high on in the preseason, I uh, hasn't really 
Hayden to Faith so far. Jared Witt's put up a disappointing 70. He's now sitting at an 81 average. Yeah, I think that's one of the worst score builds I've ever seen. He rucked last week against Tom English, I believe, and I think he got like you know, 60 hit outs for 70 points or something. I don't think I've ever seen a, a score like that. He must have been hitting them all to the dogs players. But yeah, just sort of we can do both of these boys at the same time. Wits scored a 70 and English scored a, a 54 in that game and I'd definitely be folding on both those players. Um, really can't see either of them putting up either the price rise to get to the big boys or, um, you know, scoring enough to be close to keepers by the end of the year. I think the rucks, as we said in the preseason pods, is somewhere where you don't really want to mess around this year. I haven't really seen any options um, really that looked like they'd worked out in the starting structures other than those big three boys. Yeah, I, I could agree on wits there. I was obviously high him for a lot of the preseason on, on a few key stats that we went through, but sort of jumped off when I saw his um, his JLT games and just how he might fit under the new structures. And as you mentioned, he's getting all his points from hitouts, not really finding too much of it around the ground. And I watched that dog's game and, yeah, he was just getting sharked all the time. So he's not one that's going to be scoring too well um, under the new rules, I don't think. There is an option there available for those who are looking, if you were smart enough, I guess, to find him in the preseason. And he's one that I considered for about two seconds before moving on. It was... Big boy Ben McAvoy, um, owned by only 2% of teams, currently sitting very pretty with 110 average. Yeah, um, very interesting there. I've got, I've got to say at this stage he's a treat in terms of the fact that I would say that Goldstein at this point uh, was a quality pick, the, the player that I picked, and when they're sitting at the same price there, I've, if I'm saying Goldstein's a treat at this stage, I guess I've got to say big boy McAvoy is as well. He's holding that price, if not raising it from where he started, um, being that stepping stone to Gorn or Grundy, whichever one he didn't start to, um, in terms of both Big Boy and Goldstein. I don't think either of them at this stage are keepers for the whole year. So in terms of their purpose, I definitely think Big Boy at the moment is a treat. I can definitely see him being that stepping stone there. And I guess the other option up in the rucks is um, Shane Mumford, who's now back in. He scored 91 in his first game. Yeah, I think Mummy is definitely a trick here um, in terms of I think that his score was pretty um, reflective of what I expect him to do. But I don't think that 90, as I said, will cut it this year. I think he'll be bleeding too many points to the Gorns and the Grundies. Um, but I'll have a little sort of asterisk on that where if you were somebody who started with a English or someone who started with a, a player that we've mentioned that we should fold on, I do think that of all the options below these players' price, uh, Mumford is probably the one, if I was going to sideways in English, that I could see him having a bit of a price rise at least and scoring a bit more decent on a regular basis. Moving on to the Fords, and uh, there's a few surprise packets and a few, I guess, that we really expected. Um, to start off with one that we... All expected at the start of the season to do well, and then obviously didn't. Um, Isaac Heaney came back in a big way with 137, and then as well tonight, he's also put in another 130. So he's back in a big way. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of super coaches pulling out their hair over this one. I mean, it's exactly why we picked him, that we thought that he would be able to go into the midfield and um, also have an impact on the scoreboard. Um, playing a lot more time in the midfield after that eight-day break into that Carlton game, which uh, I suppose in hindsight everyone should have seen that coming, coming up against 
you know, one of the lowest teams on the ladder off a larger break. You know, he came out and starred with four goals and over 60% time in the midfield there. And as we saw tonight, the little bit of the game that I've watched, he was just absolutely a class above. He looked like the best player on the Swans team, uh, getting little handballs in the, in the congestion in the midfield. Yeah, I, th- I feel like everyone who traded him out will be kicking themselves now because those two 130s back-to-back are really going to keep his price skyrocketing. Yeah, can definitely confirm that all my hair is gone and that I'm killing <laughs> myself. Um, yeah, I think his break-even for tonight was about 96, so he's put up 130, obviously well above, and we're not going to see his price below its current uh, state for you know, quite a many weeks now. So sort of ruins my plans, and uh, yeah, lesson learned. So you had the options to trade out. Um, do you want to talk me through who you were looking at and who you decided on picking? Yeah, I was really picking between a few players, um, mostly considering Tim Kelly, who I eventually went with. Um, I think he was averaging about 108 or 110 or something at the time. Um, Looked good in his first two games, and then he did well in the third game as well. He put up 107 before going off with a minor injury early in the last quarter, and you know apparently he's going to be fine, could have come back on, according to Chris Scott, um, if need be. He... Yeah, it looks like he's probably going to be putting up about 110-ish average and looks a solid pick, but in terms of going sideways from Heaney, it just seems like a wasted trade at this point. Um, And then the other option that I was looking at, and maybe I should have gone with, is Travis Boak, who's just putting up huge scores left, right, and center. Um, He's priced now at a 48 break-even, and he looks like he's just going to continue to rise. Yeah, both really good options there, and both players who I really expect to be in everyone's final teams. I expect them to keep up these averages. Uh, Tim Kelly, you know, I was a bit unsure of at the start of the year and he's come out and proven to be very consistent being, you know, the key cog in that main midfield. Um, I really think that he will be a player who you'll at least be keeping, but I'll be a bit wary this week with his injury. If we see him play a lot of time in the forward line, we know they've been playing, as we said, you know, Selwood a bit off the ball. Um, a couple of these players out of that rotation. If um, Kelly's injury is not bad enough to keep him out of the field, it might be a bit worse for some people because it might put him up forward, might make him score you know, a 50, 60, 70 um, score and sort of um, keep the people who don't have him in their teams with a bit of an option to bring him in, uh, sort of preventing that score build a little. In terms of Travis Boak, is one I'm very worried about in terms of um, pricing me out. He scored, you know, that 120-plus every week, which means that, as you mentioned, his price is on the rise, 521k at the moment, going to go up again this week. So by the time I want to bring him in, he could be, you know, 600, 650k if he can keep this scoring up, which might be very difficult to bring him in for, you know, your forward rookies, which we mentioned earlier, who don't seem to be scoring as high at the moment, meaning their prices might take a bit longer to rise. Well, it's going to be an issue, I think, definitely down the line. Um, in the meantime, we can decide what to do with Josh Dunkley. I know he's in both of our sides, and he's on our hold or fold list. He's averaging 84. Yeah, definitely one that we both spoke about at the start of the year, maybe being one who we have to have because he might price us out. And it turns out Folk was the one that uh, we should have looked at, and it looks like Dunkley's one that might be dropping down in price for people to pick up a bit later. Um, I'm definitely holding on Dunkley. I think that... He can definitely turn this around and he hasn't been scoring terribly. You know, he hasn't been pumping out your 50s, like 60s, like Heaney was when everyone traded him. He's been scoring, you know, your 80s, which isn't terrible. It's not killing my side having these 80s in there. 
Um, and I'm just going to hope for him to turn this around. Another one who is priced quite high at the start of the season, not really performing. Um, Buddy Franklin, 64 average going into the game tonight. Um, and I don't think he's really lifted that too much. I think he put about 80 on the board tonight. Yeah, a big fold from me is uh, one that I didn't really look at at the start of the year. Um, yeah, I really think that he's the sort of player you should jump off. I don't know what he's priced at now. If, you know, a Warple's still in sight or something like that that's, you know, a player that started a bit lower um, than Buddy who's who's proven that they can score consistently, I'd definitely uh, be looking to get off him um, at this point in the year. And we'll run through some trick-or-treats, uh, players who are in the top 10 at the moment, averaging over 100. Um, at the top of our list with 111 average is Rowan Marshall at only $341,000. Yeah, um, Rome has been huge this year since he's come into that number one ruck spot. Um, I definitely think that he is a trick here, though. Uh, Billy Longer is back from injury, and it's yet to be seen whether he will spend some time as number one ruck or us playing both rucks. Um, but his scoring build as number one ruck is shown to be, you know, extremely high. Uh, I can see him averaging, you know, your 90s to 100s over the year if he was to keep number one ruck, which could make you a lot of cash from 341k. But I think the risk is just too high there, um, especially he's only played those two games. So, yeah, I definitely think that, unfortunately, uh, Rome is a bit of a trick there. Yeah, and worth noting, I think, as well, the two sides that he has played against Essendon and the Bulldogs not really known for their strong ruck divisions. Yeah, um, we'll move on next to the list. Yeah, I'll give you one here, Bill. Uh, Jeremy Cameron, I, I don't really know how I feel about um, key forwards in the Supercoach world, but when we are playing for overall scores, I guess it doesn't really matter if it is the 161 week and the 80 the next week. But he's sitting in there with a 110 average leading the Coleman, looking really good this year. Is he a Supercoach option for us? Yeah, he was one that I looked at quite uh, heavily in our draft league, hoping to draft him. Unfortunately, didn't get a chance to, but I think he's set for a big year. As you mentioned, if you're looking at overall, it doesn't really matter whether they're putting up big score, low score, or whether they're more consistent. Um, I think he is an option. I think he's a genuine option. I don't think he's going to hold his 110 average, that's for sure, but in terms of um, what he what he can put up for the price point that he's at, I think he's an option. Um He's probably a trick. It's hard to say. So these next four guys are quite interesting ones and ones that I can definitely see as being in the conversation for trade-ins. We'll start with Caleb Daniel, who's spent a bit of time down back this year with a 107 average so far. Yeah, Caleb Daniel's an interesting one because you can clearly see the role change that's caused the scoring, and that's always a good sign, I think. Um, you know, a role change to a new sort of paradigm of scoring a new average is generally more consistent than someone who's just in a good frame of form so I think is it um, I think is a trait I think if you have the balls to jump on Caleb Daniel I think you're going to get rewarded the next one is one that we're kicking ourselves because uh, you know the statistical algorithm models team um, rated Dalhouse extremely highly but not highly enough to sit him above you know one other player to scrape him into the team comes out with a 102, 105, 105. Yeah, I, I kind of listened to the model there and I drafted him in our draft league, so I'm pretty happy with that one. Um, took a little advice off the model there and uh, and managed to get in him pretty cheap. But yeah, kicking myself that I didn't bring him in regular. I think he's definitely a treat. He looks like he's rejuvenated down at the Cats and 
Yeah, as you mentioned, 102, 105, 105, that consistency is always a good thing to see. Jade Gresham's come out with a 101 average off a, a score increase from 86 to 95 to 121 last week. Yeah, doing really well, and um, he's one I've seen in a few teams that was banded about by a few players um, as options. Instead of picking Billings, you know, just sort of going, oh, why don't you pick Gresham, he's from the same team, etc., etc. Um, I don't think he's going to hold 101 average across the season, so in that sense, he's a trick. But I do think he's, you know, he's in that conversation where he, he's going to hold a pretty decent average. Um, I think in regular Supercoach, if he's not in your team at the moment, I wouldn't be trading him in. But if you started with him, then you'd be very happy. Yeah, you've labelled him the real Billings in some of our conversations off air. Um, but I think, yeah, so I know Billings scored really well in that match also. So I think both of these players are ones that I'll be keeping an eye on in the games where, you know, maybe we get blown out a little more or, you know, the score isn't as favourable in um, sort of the hard run we've got coming up. So waiting to see if these players can do it in, in a few different styles of matches, I think is very important. We'll close off with the last one here, which is uh, Jack Martin from the Gold Coast Suns. Maybe he's finally pulled it together here. He's averaging 100 so far on the year. Yeah, it's a tough one to say because um, obviously the Suns have started pretty well, and as they tend to do, I guess everyone's probably expecting them to drop off at some point, and his scoring could drop off as well. <clears throat> but we have all been expecting Jack Martin to score well for a few seasons now, so it's a very tough one to call. Um... I'm just going to make a call here and say that he is a treat, bold call. Um, he's probably more likely that he's a trick. So for all of those names that we've rattled through in those trick or treats off all the lines, are there any that jump out at you with you thinking, hmm, maybe I should look at getting these players in early as a point of difference? I know you like Dalhouse in the forward and Malera down back. Are there, are there any particular players who you're looking to bring into your side as a bit of a treat there to keep your, keep your score sort of ticking above some of the uh, more regular set teams? Yeah, um, you probably just hit the two on the head there. I do like Dalhouse up forward. He's one that I'm still considering when I look at options to trade up, um, mainly because we've seen him do it before. We've seen him average over 100 before, so... When you see him that he's done it before, he's doing it again, and he's got good consistency, I think that all adds up um, to someone that you should really be looking to get in sooner rather than later. Um, you hit the nail on the head too. I also like Malera down back, but I think if my ranking doesn't improve quickly, then I might have to take a few risks and maybe jump on someone like a Zach Jones or a, a Jay Gresham, who normally I probably wouldn't go for. Yeah, it's a, that's really good calls, and I think of all of these lines, the ones that I sort of am looking at is sort of the defence at the moment for those boys where I can definitely see, you know, we've talked about how much we like Malera, but also Hooley, Rich, Stewart and Salem. I think all of those have the potential to go towards those keeper statuses. It's just that I'm not sure yet which ones are the uh, ones to lock in, but I reckon in the next week or two we'll be able to see at least, you know, two of those boys sort of cement themselves as as keeper options and ones that might be worth bringing in a bit early. So we'll just finish off with running through what we've got in terms of options this week. Um, obviously, we've had one game just down. So did you make any trades, Liam? Uh, yes, my only trade was sending Fife out and bringing big boy Lockie Neal into my midfield. Uh, so that brings me down to 29 trades of the season, which is yeah, pretty much one of the reasons why I made that trade was I had the luxury of uh, not trading in the first few weeks, so I could make that little sideways correction. So 
Yep, Fife out, Neil in uh, as my only trade so far. What about you? Yeah, I, I toyed around with it. I definitely wanted to trade and bring in Neil and as well, bring in Libra or, or potentially even Dunkley to Boke. Um, but unfortunately, I burned two trades last week, getting in uh, rid of Heaney for Kelly um, and also switching Smith to LDU, which didn't really pay off either. So considering the fact that I burned two trades last week, I've had to sit tight on my team, um, 28 trades, and I'll, I'll stick with that for now. In terms of captains for the week, do you have any vice captains, captain options that you're looking at? Yeah, easy one for me. I've got um, McRae on the Friday night as a vice captain option and probably take that score when he puts up a big one, 31, 40, whatever he'll do. So um, always good to have him playing early. Um, and then later on, I can obviously make my decision about who I put in the captaincy spot if it comes to that, but maybe Patrick Dangerfield. Uh, that said, when your vice captain is on McRae, I think you're expecting to take his score. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a really good call, and I think something else to note on that um, early game by McRae is that means that anyone like myself who's running Jordan Sweet as their captain loophole, um, that means your only options for your vice captain have to be on the first game, uh, which was tonight. So this is not a lot of help for people. I was choosing between Heaney and Lloyd as my vice captain, and I'm pretty sure I put it on Lloyd and not Heaney, which. Obviously, as you mentioned, the scores before meant that I'm going to have to move on to a captaincy. If I, if I put it on Heaney, I would have taken the vice-captain. But uh, yeah, 108 is probably not enough. Um, the players I'd be looking at for captaincy is I really like Neil versus Essendon after bringing him in. Sort of tempted just because I traded him in to put the captaincy on him to double up that change. But I think the two that I'm really choosing between is Cripps against the Suns. Um, but the one I'm most likely to go to is Grundy against Tim English um, in that Collingwood Bulldogs game tomorrow night. Yeah, Grundy's the... I was having a tough choice myself as to whether to put the vice-captain on McRae or Grundy, but I figured um, McRae has been you know, going that 130 every single week, so we'll see how that goes. I could definitely see Grundy putting up 150-plus quite easily against Tim English. Yeah, so there's been a, a few interesting um, results in terms of player scorings over the first few rounds, and and I think it's been quite a high scoring start to the season where we, you know we're already seeing people pump out you know 2300s, 2400s uh, pretty regularly so far this year. But I think what we learned from last week, you know, Fife getting knocked out, Rocky getting knocked out, a few people trading in to get players like you know Rocky chasing some points and having it not pay off where. I still think there is room for, for people to move up the scoreboard this year where we're getting a lot of these teams at the top who started these, you know, Sheeds and Rockies and, you know, a few of these mid-price players where are people who started, you know, particular primos who haven't fired yet. Um, I think there's still room for them to, to make up some ground in the scoring. Yeah, not only that, but as well, there's a lot of people out there who've already burnt through their trades and are now sitting on about 25 or 24 or so. Those of us who have, you know, 28, 29, 30 trades left are going to have a chance to catch up later in the season as well, I believe. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point holding those trades when you don't have to. I think that's sort of where I came down with Heaney this week and where you've sort of landed with your, with your Dunkley and other options, which is, you know, if, if you're umming and ahhing about whether a trade's worth it when it's a sideways trade from a premium, stick with your premium and hold the trade because, you know, at the very worst case scenario, you've still got your trade and you can correct later. But, you know, if you burn your trade and you've done the wrong option, uh, you'll be kicking yourself for a few weeks there. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I guess we'll finish there. Um, 
as our main point of advice to the coaches. Uh, Liam obviously speaking from a positive uh, side of things there and me telling you from experience with trading at Hini this week to uh, back in your premiums and stick tight. Um, that's our main number one advice here this week on Science Footy Podcast and we hope to see you next week. Mm-hmm.